too. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me on a very, very, very cold night, MVD. It's cold down here. I can't imagine how cold it is up where you are. Uh, with thanks to the sponsors, looking at the weather forecast currently, it is currently five degrees here in Shepparton, feeling like 1.9, looking for a minimum of negative one. Uh, before a maximum of 16 degrees. So not too bad. Um, it was, it's going to be warmer than what it was last night. I'll be honest, we got to a, a top temp, well, a temperature this morning as I was leaving for work. Minus 3.2, but feeling like minus 5.6. So go figure on that one. But uh, good to be with you, mate. And, uh, it's nice and warm inside the house. Absolutely. It's nice and warm inside the university, which is where I am at at the moment. Now, dear listener, in case you don't know, the structure is we review the round that's just been in parts one and two, and then part three, we dive into the round to come. MVD, I'll start off with you. What were your top two highlights of what was a fascinating round? It was unbelievable. I'm going to throw you straight away. I'm going to go North Melbourne. Congratulations. Well done. Uh, to beat, uh, to beat a good quality side in Richmond, stepped off the plane on uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday evening and uh, there's people going, did you hear Richmond lost to North Melbourne? And I'm sitting there going, it was creating a buzz at the airport. How good was that? So that's got to be highlight number one. I don't care who you are uh, in regards to that. Highlight number two, and I caught a bit of this. I didn't catch all of it, but I caught a bit of this um, and it was more listening to it on radio, but Keziah Pickett. Six goals in Darwin, uh, single-handedly pulling Melbourne. Alice. Alice even, sorry. Same thing, different spelling. Um, uh, six goals in Alice, um, single-handedly getting them across the line against Port Adelaide. Uh, I think that was fantastic to see, and congratulations to him um, and to the AFL for, for putting that on and for them to yeah, really showcase what uh, what's going on. That all being said, I think Melbourne are going just. Yeah, well, they're kind of just treading water a little bit, the deeds. But for me, North Melbourne, I agree with you. They deserve to be the number one uh, highlight. They were the low light for much of this year. I made them a highlight last week in a loss. It only makes sense that they're a highlight this week in a win. And it's so great to see what it means to people. Zerha, uh, Adams, the, the, the caretaker coach, and Sonia Hood, just fantastic um, for that football club, though it does raise an interesting question surrounding uh, the priority pick, which we will get to later. But for me, it is Sam Draper, the number two highlight, kicking not just the goal of the year, <laughs> not just the goal of the decade so far, but that is the greatest goal. I made this call on Twitter and I stand by it. It is the greatest goal kicked by anyone not named Buddy, Eddie, or Peter Dacos. And I stand by it. Right I did on. see that. I do want to call you out on that, to be perfectly honest, because I'm pretty sure Cyril came up with a couple of really good ones as well. No doubt. But no give doubt. me a spell. It was a, it was a good goal. Yes, it probably will win mark, uh, goal of the year. But I'll give you the fact it was the best. No, I was going to say best goal with a mullet, but Dacos <laughs> probably wins that one, doesn't he? Um, oh, come on. What, that goal of the year? Okay, okay here, you go, here you go. I'll give you, I'll give you this, though, Casper. The best goal by a ruckman. How's that? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Oh, seriously, like for a ruckman, yeah, not bad. And on it, there were what about 20, 22 to twenty five thousand people there. The roar on the TV when I listened to that goal sounded like it was fifty thousand people. Um, 
Now on to the lowlights and North Melbourne winning, of course, meant that Richmond had to lose. And for the second straight week, they played the dumbest football to end a footy game I think I have ever seen from everyone. From Do you know what? I'm putting Richmond together. They're around 17 and 18 performances. The last two minutes, Jack Rewalt flying for an unrealistic specky against the Suns. Uh, Castagna, how did he miss that shot in the last quarter last week? And then no one guarding that space, allowing Zerha and like half the freaking city of Melbourne to waltz in to an easy open goal. And then Arts, right? Now it's unfair to peg this on him, right? Because Richmond should never have been in this position when you kick 11 goals, 22. You should not be in a position when you are losing with 30 seconds to go. But nevertheless, just take the shot. Just take the shot. You're not a Hollywood actor, right? Mm. It's not a big budget Hollywood movie. Just take it's it's almost directly in front. Why do you need to play on? I don't understand it. So, yeah, a lot of soul searching to do at Tigerland. Um, I remember in 2012 they lost three games in a row, middle of the season, by about a goal or less, and this feels like that. So could be another blockbuster on Friday night, but that's for later. The second low light for me, disappointing Carlton. I thought that they were going to put in a better effort than that. But Kerno, he was okay. Mackay, I thought he was um, dealt with pretty well by the Geelong defence. It was just a really disappointing performance. I thought that Carlton were ready to step up um, and really show that they were a top four contender and Really, with that loss, I'm I'm not even sure that they're that they'll finish inside the top six. To be honest with you, um, it was a really disappointing performance to head into a game where, you know, you were close to being favourites and then to lose by thirty and only kick eight goals is really disappointing. So, what about for you? Yeah, I was actually going to throw Carlton in there too. I, I thought um, a thirty point loss uh, Saturday night was was not what the doctor ordered. It was the real. It's the first real test for mine um, that they failed mm. uh, in regards to it. I actually picked them. I thought they were going to get across the line. Um, Me too. I'm, I'm still not sold on Geelong, as stupid as what that might sound, considering what they're sitting top of the ladder. Um, I'm still not sold that they're, they're, they're thereabouts. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed by that, uh, that one as well. <clears throat> I'm also disappointed, and this is not my low light, this is part of the disappointment package. Um, but Fremantle losing to Sydney in in Perth, like nine times out of ten, you'd be banking those wins um, across the board. So to go down by three goals to Sydney over in Perth, kudos to Sydney. Probably missed out them on the highlight blitz. But anyway, my my real low light, um, I, I suppose Carlton was probably my low light. Um, and the other low light for mine is Gold Coast Suns. Yeah. Um, I thought they'd been playing some good football, to be perfectly honest. But to see what they've done um, against Essendon, I mean, yeah, okay, in the last five weeks, they've they've gone uh, three losses, two wins. But, I mean, they beat Richmond, and I thought, they're well, that's good for them. And then they've lost to Essendon on the weekend. Oh. And then they've got a tough game against Brisbane this week. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Gold Coast win that one against Essendon. They jump into that pack chasing eight. I mean, now they're what two games outside eight against Brisbane oh, this week. They're still, they're still just one game behind. 
yeah, uh, I'm not ruling them out just yet, but at the same, I, I mean, for mine, what is it? The, the ladder's down to 12 teams mm. and then the 12th team in it. So uh, I still think they could probably contend, but they've got a tough draw um, to go. Like they've got Brisbane this week. Um, then they've got West Coast, so they should ch- chalk that one up. They've got Hawthorne down in Tassie. They've got Geelong in at Metricon, and then they finish with North Melbourne. So, to be perfectly honest, they've got a soft run home. I mean, apart from Brisbane and Geelong, they don't play anyone else above them on the ladder. That's true. But, I mean, Hawthorne and Tassie are always difficult to beat. Um, And, you know, the rejuvenated kangaroos, all of a sudden, premature favourites. They're going to have to... um, They're going to have to win... Well, I've marked them down, what, for... Um, for three out of the last five wins, I've marked them down for. I'm gonna have to sit down and work out the other ones and see whether they fit, finish in the la- in the ladder. But mm. yeah, so it, that that loss to Essendon may come back to haunt them. To be perfectly honest. Well, let's get straight into the main talking points of the weekend. MVD. Um, for a while, it was looking like that there was going to be a team who would finish on 13 wins for the year and miss out on finals. That's how even the best teams in the competition looked. And then all of a sudden, it's like there's a massive gap between 7th and 8th. And I want to ask you, logjam between 8th and 12th mentioned Tigers currently in 8th, the Suns currently in 12th, and everyone in between, the Saints, Dogs, and Power. I want to ask you, who do you think deserves top 8? <laughs> um, Hawthorne. <laughs> sorry, no, not, sorry, not no, going to happen. Sorry, realistically, not going to happen. I want to say Port Adelaide, but even then, they started zero and five. Oh, can I can I just be honest? I, I'd love to see St Kilda play finals and give it a shake from eighth. I mean, they started the year, they started the year well, mate. If they if they're having that blip on the radar, then it's probably a good thing right now. Um, who have they got to An play? Unbelievably difficult fixture coming up. They've like, got West, so they've got West Coast in Perth this week, and they have they, Hawthorne after that. But then they finish with Geelong in round twenty one, Brisbane yep. in round twenty two, and then round twenty three they play the Sydney Swans. Okay, we rule them out. What's the, doggy, what's the doggies got? Uh, that I don't know off the top. Doggies of my head. have got Melbourne at, Mar- at Marvel, so yep. that's that's potential. That's potential for a win this week. Oh, they played Geelong and Geelong. Geelong in Geelong, so that's a loss. Yeah, Fremantle at Marvel. Who are we looking at? The doggies again. Yep. Doggy GWS at Marvel. Maybe give that one a win, and then they finish with Hawthorne in Tassie. So at the moment, you would say, <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it's seriously like you could have, right, you could have seventh place finishing on 14 wins and then eighth potentially finishing on 11 wins. Yeah. Richmond Richmond look like they've got one of the easier draws, to be perfectly honest, even if I, if I say that. I mean, they've got Fremantle Friday night. They've got Brisbane the following Sunday. Port Adelaide. So that'll be a big game in round 21 at Adelaide Oval. Mm between those two sides. They've got Hawthorne on, on the, in, uh, what is it, the 14th of August in 22. And they finish with Bombing. Essendon. So we've pretty much ruled out Richmond, Western Bulldogs, St Kilda. Do we throw Port Adelaide in the mix? 
See what they've got. They've got Geelong at Adelaide Oval, Collingwood at the MCG, Richmond, uh, Essendon at Marvel, and, and they then finished, the showdown. And they finished the showdown. Always unpredictable. So I think they well, like could sneak in. We, I think, I think we've come to the assumption. I think we've come to the agreement, though, even though none of neither of us has said it. That basically the answer is Gold Coast. <laughs> I think round twenty one is going to be the deciding factor. Mm, I like it. I it's like it. Port Adelaide, the Port Adelaide Richmond game is going to be huge. It is. I agree. It's going to be massive, and a couple of other massive matches as well on that Saturday: the Dogs and the Dockers, the Cats and St Kilda. Um, so yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting. interesting and Hawthorne round. play the Suns on that Saturday too. Oh, what a that so is Saturday. That's, that Saturday of round twenty-one. Mark that in your calendar. Sixth of Saturday, the sixth of August. Can I mention a dark horse? Right, and I'm kind of saying this not seriously, but at the same time, right. Essendon, hear me out. Right, hear me out. You said you could. You said Hawthorne couldn't make it. So what okay, are you doing with Essendon? Hold on, just hold on a second. Right, wait, 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 wait. If we look at who the Hawks play, right, here's why I said Essendon and not Hawthorne. Um, actually, do you know what? No, Hawthorne have a very winnable fixture too. Yes, they do. Okay, fine. But you have to you have to argue that over the last few weeks, Essendon's been playing better football than Hawthorne. I mean, I don't disagree with that. Hawthorne beat West Coast on the weekend. Yippee! And they beat the Crows before that. Big deal. We beat Brisbane. Granted, they had like half their team out. But nevertheless, we beat Brisbane. We beat Sydney. We demolished the mighty Gold Coast Suns, of course, the uh, the ethereal uh, empire of this competition. But nevertheless, I think, truthfully, if I'm giving an honest answer, um, no one. Like, no. let's just have seven teams playing finals this year. Whoever, To be perfectly honest, it feels like whoever's going to make that eighth place is going to be making up the numbers. They're going to be annihilated. Unless annihilated. unless they find some third leg or something to get in, get going. Like if someone like the Gold Coast Suns get in or Port Adelaide, I reckon they can do damage because they'll be peaking at the right time. Yeah. Because they'll have played hard games leading up to it and they could quite comfortably do it. Yeah. But at the same time, go figure. Anyway, let's keep going. Let's get <laughs> on to the next big talking point out of round, uh, the round has just been, and I'm curious, North Melbourne, talked about it before I touched upon it, the priority pick, right? It's interesting what Sonia Hood said on Twitter when she said that the list isn't so bad uh, or isn't too bad, but now she's asking for a priority pick and now the club's asking for a priority pick. I think it's, I'll ask you, MVD, what's your point of view? Or what's, what's, what's your perspective? Do they deserve a priority pick? And if they deserve one, what do you reckon of what Malcolm Blight said, which is if North Melbourne get one, surely Adelaide get one? Are we going to turn into the Oprah Winfrey show? You get a priority pick, and you get a priority pick, and you get a priority pick. So 2020, they finished 17th. 2021, they finished 18th. Looking like 2022, they're going to finish, what, 20, 18th, 17th, 18th. 2019, they finished 12th. 2018, they finished ninth. 2017, they finished 15th. So all I'm looking at that is is going, the years that COVID has happened has not been very beneficial to them. 
Um, they keep going for all these massive, great, big signings and they're not getting them. Why? That, for me, is the biggest issue at the moment. Why do they keep going for the the Dusty Martins of the world and throwing money at him and, and they don't get it? Um, it's, it's an interesting one. And Jason Horn Francis, yes, is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? I don't know. But... I don't. I honestly don't know whether or not they deserve one. Uh, I mean, I thought the list wasn't too bad, to be perfectly honest. There's some good players in there. Yes, they're probably missing a key forward. Yes, they're probably missing uh, someone to jump around in the ruck uh, after Todd Goldstein. Um, there's. I don't. I don't know. It, it's a. It's a tough question. What do you what do you think about it? I, I'm trying to work it out. And I think, priority picks only one extra pick. Like, well, yes, it is. It is. But and if they're going to get one and two, so be it. Anyway, you know, it's interesting, right? I think the language used around the priority pick, and I know I just used it, is is bizarre, right? Do yeah. they deserve a priority pick? Because to me, you deserve something if you like work really hard towards it or you win something, right? That yep. to me sounds like they are working hard to fail. Um, it's a really, really weird language. I think, do they need a priority pick? Um, I truthfully, I think they do because I look at their list and I look at um, I look at their youngsters and I think they've got a decent core of young. They've got a, a decent couple of youngsters, right? Question L- for uh, you though. Uh, yeah. Sorry, the priority pick. Oh, it's in the draft. They get a priority pick in the draft to get another youngster. Correct. Yeah, but the question and we're all is, talking about how young they are and how uh, how they don't know the game. Wouldn't that be better off going right? We need an we need an experienced player, someone like a I don't know. I've heard the name mentioned a bit going around. A Scott Pendlebury who might only have another year or so left. Say hey, come and come and help this side out, and then do some coaching. A la Luke Hodge, a la Sam Mitchell, a la Jordan Lewis. What about Buddy Franklin? I think I'm I'm more looking at a yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm I'm more looking at that coaching element. And I think Scott Pendlebury's going that down that coaching route. If you have a look at what Hodge and Mitchell and, and Lewis all did, they they did that coaching side of things mm. as well. And I think that's what they need. They need an assistant coach on field. It's interesting. People talking about needing Mark Williams as kind of like a mentor to to a young coach. I truthfully, right, I think they need an experienced coach. They can't. They've tried the last couple of times to get a first-time head coach and it hasn't worked for various reasons. I reckon, right, get an experienced head coach. Go for someone, even though it seems really unlikely, like Alistair Clarkson, Ross Lyon, hell, even call Paul Roos. Why not? I don't know why no one's mentioning his name. Get him on the phone. and, And you know what? Nathan Buckley has said no. Pester him, pester Bucks, and maybe you can change his mind. I mean, help the Collingwood and North Melbourne jumpers look almost identical, anyways. So sure, it's not that big of a leap. So yeah, I don't know. I think truthfully, I do think they need a priority pick because even they can use that to then give to another club to get to get a, an important player. But also, I mean, I like a couple of their youngsters, but I do think that they have a lot of players there who just aren't good and are being played because that's all North Melbourne has. So I think the more well, exciting youngsters they can have, the better. 
I mean, look at what happened with Melbourne. Melbourne, you had a, a, a plethora of youth coming in 2013, 2014, 2015, and that's where you built a premiership team off of. Well, it's interesting. Uh, tonight, Wednesday night, uh, Channel 7's Tom Brown was reporting that uh, North Melbourne is, quote-unquote, in the box seat to land Alistair Clarkson. There you go. Having there gone go. all in to try and land the four-time premiership coach. Now, Clarkson was a North Melbourne football club, uh, football player. so He was, but it was interesting what he said, right? I remember him saying that uh, he will go somewhere where he can think he can win a premiership. Yeah, and I still think I still think you'll end up in Tasmania, personally. Maybe, maybe it'll just be like what Paul Reeves did and then he'll hand it off to one of the assistants. But look, you're asking whether they deserve a priority pick. Mm. To me, the answer, I, I, I don't think they do. It's probably more, they'd probably be more beneficial getting a, a, seasoned, a seasoned footballer rather than a new player, new, yep. brand new green footballer. Yeah. If any of that makes any sense to anyone. Oh, look, well, it made sense to me. So I well, agree with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky situation. It's always a really tricky situation when the club's in the quagmire and you've got to pull them out of the molasses. I mean, what happened at Melbourne was nothing short of a miracle, but it put it required a lot of really, really hard work by a lot of really good football people with a lot of good football brain. Um and uh, and intelligence. So for me, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of torn about it. The whole Sonia Hood tweet was weird. I don't know why she would tweet something out like that after that win, when, when you know, the club only a couple of days later then asked the AFL for a priority pick. It seemed a little bit bizarre to me. Yep, very cool. Um, now, speaking of North Melbourne, they get rid of the coach not after the 112-point loss, but after nearly upsetting Collingwood, and then they immediately have a win against another finals contender. Meanwhile, St Kilda and Gold Coast both recently extended the contracts of Stuart Dew and Brett Ratton, respectively, and then have suffered bad losses since then. And I want to ask you, MVD, is extending and or firing a coach midway through a season, a good idea? The only reason coaches... Okay, I'll say it this way. The only reason I think that coaches are fired mid-season or extended mid-season is because the media keep talking about it. Now, imagine if the comment, if the, the journalists didn't ask every every second day, hey, what's going on with your contract? Do you reckon it would get, do you reckon they'd do it? Firing probably not as much, although there is a lot of noise in regards to, or I don't think uh, David Noble's going to be safe at North Melbourne next year. That's all good and well, but just give the guy a break and just let him see what he can do. See the year out, and then they make the decision then. I, well, best, we, I think I think that's probably the best. I think that's probably the best way. Now we get into an interesting topic about how much of it is on the actual coaching performance and on results versus media pressure. 
right? Because yeah. granted, and, and as well, it's about expectations too, right? Because yeah. at North Melbourne, when they got David Noble in, the club said that, yeah, we want to be playing finals football and, you know, contending for a premiership within three or four years, which was never going to happen. So that automatically puts a mountain of pressure on the coach who comes in. And of course, the media is going to gonna feed on that, right? Now, um, exactly how much the pressure comes from the club versus the results versus the media. I think it depends on the situation. Uh, with David Teague, it was probably more so the media. But I think with David Noble, the results speak for themselves. I mean, they lost 14 games in a row. And before the Collingwood loss, the best result in that stretch was a 47-point defeat. I mean, you you could be Ron Barassi and you wouldn't be able to survive that kind of coaching tenure. I'm aware of, I'm aware of that. I, I am. And coaches, like even in the EPL, like I've seen coaches, their managers sacked after one game. Like that makes no sense to me. Um, but at the same time, like I'm probably a bit harsh with the with the uh, firing side of things. But with the but especially like with the contract extensions, why can't they just see the season out and just say, look, we'll do it, we'll deal with it at the end of the season? I know that's code for I don't know where we're at or I'm in trouble. But at the same time, clubs can still be going and working on things and going around and, and shopping for other coaches and seeing what other coaches are out there and say, hey, we don't have any we don't have any issue for doing this right now. But at the same time, what's going on? Where are you guys at in regards to whether you're going to want to coach next year? You know, Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I'm thinking about it from, from, a, from a fan's perspective, right? Imagine, right, if your club is like St Kilda, started the season brilliantly, going through a little bit of a form slump, you get a good win, you sign on the coach and they have a loss or two losses after that that are catastrophic. And all of a sudden, all that momentum and and you haven't, right, okay, St Kilda, this is specifically to them. They haven't won a premiership since 1966. 2021 was an exceptionally disappointing season. I thought they would challenge the top four football. They barely avoided the bottom four let's be let's be real shambolic losses this year started off so promisingly for them that after they were eight and three i thought they were going to crush us by like a hundred points and i thought that they were going to finish inside the top four and ever since that essendon game they have been an absolute train wreck and they decide to extend the coach during that stretch it makes no sense to me at all just leave it to the end of the season Assess what you have, right? And granted, right, that's not saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to your coach, right? Tell your coach, right, let's have this chat at the end of the season. And I can understand from a coach perspective that's kind of tricky because, because you want that job security. Yeah, but if they're all doing it, then you don't have to worry about it as much, would you? That's the true. only reason they're concerned about job security is the fact that coaches get co- get cut midway through the season. Yeah, that's true. It's the only, it's the only reason that they're... Stressed about job security. Yeah. Although, not being a coach myself, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. We are playing the Monday morning quarterback here, both of yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. There's lots of, like, things about our footy culture that I love, but there's lots of other aspects of it that I look at, and I think that's hella weird. And that's why uh, It's not as bad as, let's be honest, it's not as bad as the NRL when they can sign for a club that doesn't even exist yet for next year, but yet they're still going to finish off this year, and they sign back in March. Like, for me, turn that up. 
that uh, Wayne Wayne Bennett with the uh, with the Dolphins. With the Dolphins, yeah, mm. ruining Melbourne Storm again. <laughs> well, Storm are struggling at the moment. That is for sure. Um, more like just a little tiny rain shower instead of a storm. Um, you now, wash your mouth out. You can watch them come out. And <laughs> I know, I know. I'm a bad Melbourneian. Don't um, bag out the storm in Melbourne. Ladies and gentlemen, at Casper McLeod on Twitter. <laughs> Look, controversial opinion. Do a lot of Melbourneians actually care? <laughs> no, which makes it even better. <laughs> Just why they're Sydney that good. Is, Sydney side is salt wound and you wonder why uh the um you wonder why gobbles that big race oh no i'm losing the joke what was the race um uh grand prix that's it wonder why oh. the grand prix is going to stay in melbourne for for as long as it is um but enough annoying the heck out of sydney siders on to the last major talking point of the round uh and it involves of course jack Genevin, the goal kicking sneaky Diving, ducking, shushing, uh, goal sneaking for the Collingwood Football Club. Now, um, I'm going to try and leave my opinions about this bloke as a football player out of this conversation. There's been a lot of talk about whether or not, you know, has he actually been receiving high tackles and haven't been paid, or is it because he's been ducking for them and the umpires are trying to make a statement? The AFL has come out and they have tried to clarify the rules and they've said that they will stamp it out and if you duck duck the knees or dive in right get tackled high it's not going to get paid high i want to ask you this question right mvd a few questions first off is jack jenevin being fairly treated or unfairly scapegoated slash targeted and will these recent rule clarifications see a decrease in ducking and shrugging the shoulders or will they continue uh look I don't know about the first one. I would like to think not. Um, people have their opinion in regards to whether he's being umpired differently. I know Kane Corns is very adamant on different things in regards to it. Um, there are people that are – who else was it? Was it Wayne Carey, I think, on, on Triple M on radio on Saturday? Uh, like, you can't say one bloke's being unfairly treated because it's just – it may, it's then you what you are then doing is you're accusing umpires of cheating and that is a very slippery slope in which uh well look you got to be a very brave person to go down do i think that this will if this rule clarification will change anything nah players are still going to do it they're still going to work a way through it and try and try and get the best advantage for their team it's what they've done for a what 100 120 plus years um They'll find a way to try and get, what is it, a grey area in the rules feet sorted out. I'm not, I think I'm starting to sound like I'm an old fart in the fact that I feel like they're chopping and changing rules too much and people are trying to figure the game out again. And I'm not really a big fan of that because I'm sitting there going, just leave it alone and let us play, let the boys play sort of situation. Um Sorry, let the boys and pardon me, the boys and girls play. It's just can we just leave it and just go back to playing footy? Like even for me, the six six six, like it's just frustrating. Yes, it's been good for you've seen good scores scoring and all that, but at the same time, like 
That's not what you look back at, like games in the nineties or games in the early two thousands, and sit there and go, "Yeah, there've been some things that they've changed for the better, like introducing the this two center circles. I think that was a good idea." But at the same time, seriously, just you feel like things are just changing just because they can. What do you think? Where are you standing on it? Okay, so I I think clarifying the rules is a good idea. Um, I think doing it during the season, I'm not the biggest fan of because I think it sets a precedent that you know, the AFL could potentially just change rules whenever they want midway through the season. And that's a shocking idea. Um, With that being said, though, there are too many grey areas in the rules. What is holding the ball? What is a high tackle? If you explain it to someone who's never watched a game before and doesn't know anything about Aussie rules, it sounds like it should be simple, right? You have priority. You have the opportunity to get rid of it. You get tackled fairly. You either drop it or you don't get rid of it. That's holding the ball, right? In, okay. So on that point, do we need extra signals from the umpires? Because they're the same signal, the holding the ball, the so incorrect disposal, the um, dropping the ball. It's all done with the same hand signal. You're trying to explain it to – and I agree with you. Trying to explain it to someone is just like – how, how come we are having so much trouble trying to explain rules to people these days? And, it's, you know, that's a really interesting idea. So maybe maybe we should. So so what do you think holding the, should holding the ball be like? You cross cross your arms like this, like you're holding the ball or you're holding the ball like this out in front of you. No, that looks, that looks like a mark. But you're like <laughs> holding like that. So I don't know. I, like I, an Egyptian I, mummy. <laughs> yeah, possibly. To be perfectly honest, like I've, I've interrupted you and I apologise for doing that. No, that's okay. But I at the same you. time, I, I hear you 100%. Why is it all of a sudden grey areas though? Why do we have these grey areas? Because the rules are changing on a consistent basis and people don't know how to adjudicate them properly. Or it's, it's a subjective game, of course. The umpires are going to be seeing things slightly different. How about this for an idea, right? AFL House, <laughs> hope you're listening. <laughs> how about this for an idea? The umpires, right? You say to them, we're going to make you full-time professionals, right? So you get full-time pay like the AFL men's players do in a someday soon, hopefully the AFL women's as well. Um, get full pay. But if you make a certain amount of mistakes in a game adjudicating, then you get dropped down to one of the lower leagues for a week or two and you get State less league. pay. Yeah. If you get paid like a certain amount for every AFL game, right? Maybe you can then say, right, if you get dropped down to state league, you only get paid this amount or you get paid that amount. That would be very hard to, to decipher and all that sort of thing. It would I be can't... so difficult, but you know what I think it will do? I think it will improve the standard of umpiring because I think there'll be that added pressure of like, Gotta make sure we don't get it. We gotta make sure we don't make a mistake. Of course, what could happen is that there's an overcorrection. Are they umpiring that badly up. though? Uh, on the on the whole, like on the whole, out of nine matches out of the weekend, are they umpiring that badly? I reckon in every single game I've seen this year, there's been at least one hour of a decision. 
by at what? So one out of how many decisions are being made and how many umpires are out there? Okay, you have a point. You have a point. I get it. That's I, what I, I'm I, saying. How many, like, on the whole, nine games out of the weekend, if you're seeing nine howlers out of two hours of football, how many commentators are making 100% and doing 100% things right? I'm not putting my hand up because I know I don't. I'm not putting my hand up either. Don't worry. Um, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be argumentative and all. But no, 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 no. Look, I, I think, uh, yes, I understand the accountability situation. Mm. But also, okay, if the umpires have to be 100% accountable, why aren't the players being 100% accountable? Well, okay, now this leads on to, this leads on to perfectly onto my opinion about the whole Jack Jindavan situation, right? So people are saying, what about Joel Selwood? What about Joel Selwood? What about Joel Selwood? I think the AFL are starting to learn their lesson on this, right? Because Joel Selwood being allowed to get away with ducking and diving for too long. And I think the AFL has learned to stamp it out in players early, which is why you're not seeing Cody Waitman and Jack Jindavan get given as many free kicks as perhaps they otherwise would last year, this year. That's what yeah. I reckon. Okay. Now the question is, will the umpire still fall for Joel Selwood? I mean, I get it, right? He's first for the ball. He's hard at the contest, right? You know, high-profile player, good-looking guy, right? I get it, right? Anyone would fall for him. I totally understand. But for me, right, it's the biggest question is how will the umpires adjudicate Joel Selwood? How will they adjudicate Luke Shuey? established players who for a long time have been ducking and, and, you know, shrugging the shoulder to get high free kicks for pretty much since the dinosaurs were around. Like I said at the start, it is one of those things where you start talking about it all and players will continue to find loopholes in different areas. So... Now, on to the round 19 predictions. It is a monster weekend of football coming up, and it starts off on Friday night football between a team that had a very bad loss at home against a team that's playing at a stadium, what, like five kilometers, if that, away from their home ground, and yet... Every single time they play there, it's like they're playing on a different planet. It's Richmond versus Fremantle. Now, I'm tipping the Dockers in this game purely because their road record is pretty good this year. I can't remember the last time any team from interstate has had a better record away in terms of the amount of losses that they've had. They've had fewer losses away from their home ground than they have at home. And I know there's a few weeks to go, but still, that's crazy. They've been pretty good at Marvel Stadium too this year with just one loss. Richmond, on the other hand, lost their last four or five games at Marvel Stadium. And the game before that, they only barely won. Damian Hardwick said it himself. He hates, he hates playing at that stadium. He hates going to that stadium. And you know what? Richmond supporters do too. Because despite it being in Melbourne, you never, ever, you barely ever see a Richmond supporter there. So I want to 
I'm tipping Fremantle purely because I trust them better. They're a top four team for a reason. Richmond's struggling to stay in the eight for a reason. Tigers have got a bunch of injury concerns. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, Richmond at Marvel Stadium. I mean, I just don't know what it is, but they just can't play there. What about you, NVD? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think uh, Fremantle, Richmond, what, coming off the back of two losses? Mm. Um, huge, huge match this weekend. Um, I'm going to, but I reckon Fremantle in their white strip. Are they wearing white? Or I've seen things about their heritage jumper, like back in 1995, coming oh, in. Don't, so, don't do that again. Please. I don't know. We'll see. Please. We'll see what happens. So, now, Fremantle is away. Fremantle fans, right? Look, I love your jumper from like 2002 to like 2010. Right, that like that long, long anchor down the middle. That's great, but the short little anchor, the short little dinky little anchor that doesn't look like it would stop a speedboat, that dinky little thing from the mid-90s, or that awful 3D anchor that tried to make it look like the anchor was jumping out and about to hit you, like you're about to get run over by a boat or a ship or something. Why? Just just go with, if you want, right, go, do the purple anchor with the white background that used to be their wage if you want to do a heritage jumper. Seriously, or even go with the old like South Melbourne esque South Fremantle design with the red V's. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like that one. It was an ugly jumper. Um, no disrespect, Fremantle supporters, but you know, too many colors. Um, on to an interesting Saturday. Now, MVD, can the Hawks win three in a row? They're against the Kangaroos. They have not played in Hobart since like the 90s, and they've never played. At Bluntstone Arena. Wow. Battle for Tasmania, some might call this. <laughs> Whoever loses relocates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, surely Hawthorne win. I'm not just saying that but because I'm a Hawthorne fan, but you would think. Would you think North can do two in a row? Okay, so. What are uh, you going with? I am 15 behind my dad. In the other <laughs> sun tipping competition, so um, I'm running out of lives here. If I was a cat, if I was a cat, I would be on like my seventh life by now. Um, this is getting desperate. Uh, I am going with North Melbourne. I'm going to try and justify it though, other ways, right? Good luck, North Melbourne. Uh, momentum of last week, Hawthorne. I mean, look, right, North Bow in the last two weeks, they nearly toppled Collingwood and they beat Richmond, two teams that are currently entrenched inside the top eight. Hawthorne, yeah, sure, they had good wins, but they beat the Crows, who are having an awful season after a good start, and they beat West Coast. I mean, granted, we couldn't beat West Coast, but still, you beat West Coast at the MCG. West Coast, in a good year, couldn't play well at the MCG, let alone in a bad one. North Melbourne and Tasmania, and I always say this, even this year, they are harder to play in Tassie than they are anywhere else. Battle for Tasmania. For years, they had to travel to Launceston to play the Hawks at home, even when they were playing home games in Hobart. And finally, it's around the other way. And I think finally the Kangaroos to get their revenge. Zerha to kick 13 goals. No, 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 no. I'll turn it up. 14 goals. Turn it up. No, I'm tipping the Kangaroos by about a goal or two. Now, on to the next tip, Sydney versus Adelaide. Uh, this I'm not tipping as an upset. At least I sure hope it's not going to be an upset. Um, Adelaide are a basket case. But yet again, the Swans really struggle against teams that they should beat. I'm tipping the Swans by five goals. 
Yeah, Swan should win this one pretty comfortably, you would think. After dealing with um, after dealing with Fremantle in Fremantle, they don't win this one. They don't they don't go anywhere in September. That is a big call. Um, but unfortunately, as a Swans fan, I kind of agree with you. Now, Port Adelaide versus Geelong at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, who wins this one at BD? You'd think Geelong, wouldn't you? If Port Adelaide had to play finals, they win. And they win it by, uh, look, they take four points. That's it. Simple as that. Um, but if they... Geelong are doing something right, and I don't, I'm not sure what it is at the moment. So I, I think Geelong will win this one. I'll go with that. How's that? I like it. I like it. I'm going Port Adelaide. Um, why? Try and get those 15 tips back. Yeah, exactly. Did you not Did you not hear, dear listener, how far I'm behind my dad? I need to get as many tips as possible. Now, 15. 15. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, Fred, what's his name? Fred Fanning. In the 40s, kicked 18 goals, one in a football game. Highest amount of goals ever kicked by a VFL, AFL player. Um, do you know what? It'll be interesting to see whether or not my dad can top that in terms of the amount of tips he'll win by this year. Nevertheless, that's a challenge for you, Dad. Um, next game, Q Clash. I'm tipping Brisbane. Gold Coast, they've seemed to finally hit the wall. Every year they hit a wall. They've seemed to hit the wall this time around. Um, and the last, what, five Q clashes, Brisbane have won by like 190 points or something. I'm tipping Brisbane to win by about seven goals. Yep. Brisbane for mine too. It's at the Gabba, 7-10. Uh, definitely, it's the early game on Saturday night. So, yeah, I'm going Brisbane as well. I think it's, yeah, put your house on it sort of thing. It's, it's not going to... Uh, if the Gold Coast get within three goals of Brisbane, then not all is lost for the Gold Coast Suns. Not that we condone irresponsible gambling. Um, please do not bet your house on any football result. No, no. Um, but Brisbane should win this one and because Brisbane are probably that, are that serious about what's going on. I, I'm saying Brisbane will win it pretty comfortably. Fair enough. My stomach is starting to make weird rumbling noises, so I'm going to wrap this up as quickly as possible before yeah, I start enough. to eat this water bottle next to me. Don't do um, that. On to the grand final rematch. Now, 2021, when these two teams played at Marvel Stadium, I tipped the dogs because I thought the dogs at Marvel Stadium would be too difficult to beat, and the Demons ended up winning by five goals. That was when they were the best two teams in the competition. Melbourne, still in the top two best teams in the competition. The dogs, nowhere near it. I'm tipping Melbourne to win. Yeah, if the Dogs are to play finals, they need to win this one. I know I said that before, but uh, it'd be interesting. Looks like Clayton Oliver's coming back mm. um, and probably Jake Lever as well. So um, they're going to be two huge ins for, for Melbourne. So uh, if they get both of those two back, I think Melbourne will win. Um, but I am not that confident on, the, on, it, at, on it at the moment. Interesting, interesting, interesting. On to Sunday, Carlton versus GWS. MVD, is this a danger game for the Blues? Definitely, definitely a danger game. It is at Marvel, though, so it'll be under the roof and and probably in the nice warmth of uh, Marvel Stadium, to be perfectly honest. I, I think Carlton will be seething after last night, uh, last week, privately, probably. Um, I, they're going to play finals. 
But I don't see them probably if they finish in the bottom half and they're going to play an elimination final, they possibly could be out in the first week, which is a major step forward from last year. But mm. they need to win this one um, and win it convincingly to show that they're going to do something in September. One thing Carlton have done really well this year is win convincingly against teams below them on the ladder. They really struggled yep. with that in 2021. Lost against North Melbourne comfortably, Gold Coast comfortably, barely put away Essendon. Um, but this year they're doing it left, right and centre. I see no reason that will change. GWS have kind of hit a hit a brick wall in the last couple of weeks. They've been really disappointing. I'm tipping Carlton by about eight or nine goals. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a smashing. Now, Collingwood versus Essendon. I'm going with the Bombers. I'm going with the Bombers. I was bombers. going to say four and five. Can you make it five out of six? Collingwood fans, right? Look, listen, there is logic behind what I'm saying. You've won, what, eight games in a row? Very impressive. Don't get me wrong. But it's been by, what, a total combined margin of like 92 points? That's nothing. And I know, I know, I know. A win's a win. A win's four points. Doesn't matter if you win by one point or 101 points. But... If you win by under a goal, you are extremely lucky. If you lose by under a goal, you are extremely unlucky. And you guys have been extremely fortunate over the last few weeks. Should have lost to Gold Coast. Really should have lost to Hawthorne early in the year. Should have lost to Carlton. The list goes on, right? But nevertheless, you've done very well. I'm going to this game with Colin with supporting friends of mine. So we better win. I'm tipping the Bombers by about 15 points. Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Can the Malay... Malay uh flow again for the Essendon side and run out of the centre of the MCG and do what he did last week against Gold Coast. I still, Essendon is still a, a key forward short, in my opinion. Um, they need to scrounge around and find goals and in some way, shape or form. But you know what? I'm a couple behind in my footy tipping at, at school. So I'm going to probably tip Essendon as well, just to see if, if we can't get, uh, can't get some of them back. So we'll see how that goes. But, I yeah, I reckon Essendon probably not, not as close as not as margin, not not as big a margin as what you said, but not too far off. Dear listener, basically what you can garner from this section of the podcast is don't listen to a single thing that either I'm saying or MVD saying. Um, last game. Uh, oh, I mean Collingwood's playing some good football, but really, like I just saw they're fifth on the ladder. They but they yeah, and their percentage is like hundred and six. Which is extremely weak compared to like the team yeah. around them. So yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know. Last game in Perth, West Coast versus St Kilda. Surely, surely this should be a win for the Saints, right? I mean, surely. Now they've never beaten the Eagles in Perth, right? They've only ever had, I think, one win really? in the stadium. I don't think that. Well, sorry, hold on. Sorry, sorry. Let me re- let me correct that. They haven't beaten the Eagles in Perth at Optus. Okay. Okay. They haven't won in against the Eagles in person like Yonks. Probably, I think off the top of my head, 2010 was the last time that the Saints beat the Eagles in person. So how's this? I'll bring you this one, this little stat nugget. So three weeks ago, mm-hmm. St Kilda played Carlton. Yep. St Kilda won 93 to 78. Yep. Two weeks ago, West Coast played Carlton. West Coast lost to Carlton, 53 to 116. Four weeks ago, West Coast played Essendon. They won 107 to 97. Thanks for reminding me. Sorry. Five weeks ago, St Kilda played Essendon. 
and Essendon beat St Kilda 107-72. So, in the last five weeks, they've both played two, the same two sides for one win apiece. So, go figure which way. Which way. I didn't see the uh, Essendon one until just after I started talking about the Carlton one. So, if I was going to go with the Carlton one, I was going to go with uh, St Kilda. But because I saw the Essendon one, I don't know which way I'm going to go at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for I was waiting for whatever stat you had to have like a decisive like factor well, to it. That's what I was trying to do. I was, I, that's why I saw the cut one. I'm like, sweet, no worries. Oh gosh. Typical Essendon ruining everything. Um, look, I am tipping St Kilda. If they're serious, they'll win this by seven goals. I reckon if they lose this, yeah, sell the club. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far, but I was going to say the yeah. Shanghai, the Shanghai Saints. To be honest, I. I wouldn't disagree with you, but if they lose this, then they I'll be a bit more realistic. If they can if they lose this, they kiss the finals goodbye. Sell off their premiership for membership money because all their members are going to disappear. No, nah, um, they won't. They'll hang around because they like the feeling of being let down one last time. Cheerio to BR. Thank you, all the supporters. Are you doing okay? It's okay, right? It's okay. <laughs> we like we, we we're patronizing. They're we're they're very there. patronizing. Pat you on the back, pat you on the head. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> Brandon Riley, you okay? You're still alive. <laughs> uh, so let me see. We've 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 ticked off Sydney and New South Wales. Uh, we ticked off St Kilda supporters. We ticked off Collingwood supporters. Um, ticked off Richmond supporters. Um, and I I've ticked, ticked off, off. I've probably ticked off Geelong supporters by saying I don't know how they're sitting on top of the ladder. And now and I, I've just backed over it again. So obviously they're going to be coming at me. And I ticked off Hawthorne supporters by, you know, tipping North Melbourne. There you go. Um, so basically, and we've ticked off the umpire. You've ticked off the umpires too. And I ticked off the umpire and association. Anyways, I don't know how anyone is still listening to this episode. Um, but MVD, I want to ask you before we go, which game are you most looking forward to and why? Which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout and why? Which one am I most looking for? I'm interested to see how North Melbourne bounce back again after a mm. win. That'll be interesting. Um, biggest blowout for could be the Swans at Adelaide mm. at the SCG. Um, either that or it could be Geelong and Port Adelaide. Interesting, interesting. I am going for the game I'm most looking forward to, Collingwood versus Essendon, just because I'm looking forward just to Just because you're going to it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward no, to I'm it. I'm actually interested in that one. I'm actually pretty interested in that one too. It promises um, to be a good game. Yeah, that one. Oh, the ones that are just around the edge mm. of the finals. So even like the Brisbane's uh, Gold Coast game, mm. um, I'm going to throw in the Dogs Melbourne yep. as well. And obviously Friday night's game, I think, will be an absolute classic. So basically this entire round. Oh, yeah, the whole, whole entire round. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Uh, MVD, best of luck. Ooh. Wait, there's one more thing. I was just going to say, before you wrap things up, mm-hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to tune in to see what Casper has to say about football, make sure you tune in to uh, get your tuning app out and type in Seymour FM 103.9, Seymour FM, uh, from about, I'm going to say from about two, 20 past 2 on Saturday afternoon. Casper uh, will yeah, be heading to Seymour to cover some Golden Valley League action. With the Seymour FM crew, headed up by Greg Sharp, some of your some of the listeners may know that name from Carlton Football Club days. Um, so make and sure you tune in. 
and St Kilda, yes. So make sure you tune in uh, for that one as we get towards uh, the, the back end of the season um, and see how that one goes there. So make sure 103.9, 103.9 Seymour FM on your tune-in app um, and you'll hear Casper's dulcet tones talking all things Golden Valley League football. I'll tell you what, he does a pretty good job at it. It's between Seymour and Kyabram. This will be an absolute ripper game too. I'm looking forward to that one. Well, thank you very much for um, for uh, promoting um, promoting that and inflating the ego. Thank you. Um, and even ah, anytime, mate. Anytime. Even accompanied by the BBC um, news update there in the middle. I uh, do apologize about that. Um, but, yeah, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. And join me next week as a co-host and I will review round 19 and preview round 20 as this fascinating season reaches its conclusion. Until then. Until then.